Hello listeners and welcome to another episode of the Plus Dave podcast, a Spurs-based football podcast with a bunch of Spurs fans and a Leeds fan called Dave. Today is a bit of a mix-up because, well, in short, Elio's sick and we've all had a big panic attack and we've decided to change all of our names and all of our roles in the podcast just to try and make it vaguely interesting for all the Elio fans because he's not here. I think he's got man flu. He's probably fine now, to be honest, because this is so delayed, but he is not here. Therefore, it is the two most important people on the podcast left. So joining myself, Leeds Dave, is our usual presenter but i'm giving him a break for the evening it's plus dave dags dags how you doing very well dave that was an excellent intro i'm slightly fearing for my job at the moment that was very slick first time as well i said i said we could give it a few efforts and you could take the best one and we'll have some outtakes but you nailed it on the first take like a true pro first take one song i'm done lovely Lovely. um so yeah we've got a fair bit to uh talk about um a little bit of bad a little bit of good a little (laughs) bit of we but uh, uh, yeah, lots to talk about. We've obviously got the City game that, that has happened. We've got the Fulham game that has happened. And we've also got a bit of a preview for some FA Cup shenanigans. So yeah, we've got previews of Preston, preview of City. Probably talk some nonsense about other bits and bobs at the end. But uh, hopefully you can stay with us and suffer as Elio Lusley. But I'm hopeful that he'll be yeah. back next week and we can return uh, to normal service. I mean, he says he's ill, but there are rumours that he's actually meeting with Daniel Levy. Crisis talks I mean, around content. I mean, it, it wouldn't surprise me. He's trying to get Pedro Porro over the line he's got so many fingers in so many spurs pies he might be on a different pot he might be on another spurs podcast to be honest he could be he could be this could be be a danjuma situation (laughs) it could be it could be well let's see it just means that there's more pressure on us to absolutely nail it today if he decides he doesn't want to come back right we've got to got to show our listeners that we can do it on our own yes and we're showing our listeners we can do it on our own by doing it everything the wrong way around great exactly uh right okay let's start at the top then man city four tottenham two a result and a scoreline that I am not surprised by, but a halftime score that I was surprised yeah. by. Dags, take us through what you made of whatever the hell happened in this game. Yeah, and you absolutely would not have been the only one to have been surprised by that halftime scoreline, especially with how Spurs have been this season. And I was not particularly surprised by the full-time scoreline either, to be honest, even with us taking a 2-0 lead into halftime. It was um, it was vintage Spurs. It was not the Spurs we've seen this season. It was the classic. It was the lads, it's Tottenham. 3-0 up against Man United and losing 5-3. It was that kind of soft Spurs that just collapsed. And I guess Man City just have that ability, don't they, to just step up a gear and just terrify you. And we just fell apart. Just to take you through the game step by step, Dave, because I know you will have watched the highlights because you're a consummate professional, obviously. But, you know, you, you struggle trying to remember all these goals and all these games. So I'm going to take you through it. It was like three weeks ago. It was, it was a while ago. It was a while ago, in fairness to you. But basically, the story of this game was a whole load of goals over the space of about 20 in-game minutes either side of half time so it was nil-nil heading into half time and all of a sudden Edison does his best Hugo Lloris impression kicks it out puts Rodri under pressure Benton Kerr ran in nicked the ball and suddenly it's 1-0 Kulisevsky slotting it in and then what seemed like seconds later it was 2-0 and then it was half time and everyone was wondering what the hell was going on fast forward to the second half took them all of about 10 minutes to make it 3-2 and then right at the end they went and, and won so we can go through all the goals six of them to go through but in summary it's a bit of a tricky one because 
on the one hand, it's an absolute show. Let's call it what it is. <laughs> losing a 2 0 lead and then losing 4 2 against anyone, even if it is Man City. But the narrative around it has been interesting because a lot of people seem to think that we actually played well. And it was just, it sounds silly to say four individual errors because, you know, that's just too many. But a lot of people are saying Conte actually demonstrated that he knows how to beat Man City and he coached a good game. And if you just watch the highlights reel without the goals, you'd be like, yeah, we did well. We actually played a good game plan. And we were arguably the better team, with the exception of that 10-minute spell where we just fed in on ourselves and they capitalized and they just shifted a gear, banged a load of goals in. And Perisic had a bit of a nightmare as well, which didn't help. He was pretty much at fault for all three of those first three Man City goals. So uh, so yeah, that, that's my high level. Where, where do you want to start? Mm. Should we take it from the first goal, Dave? Well, I mean, I'd love to talk about it for ages, <laughs> but at the same time, I don't want to. That um, sums up uh, the whole so podcast, really, think, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, yeah, kind of. I covered the first goal anyway. Goals aside, you got six points from mm. City last season. Is this a step backwards for Spurs? I think it might just be a case of our game plan against City is kind of hope for the best and just try and capitalise on chances. I mean, if you looked at the XG and most of the times we've beaten City, I think it was painting a story that this was inevitable. Mm. You know, we, we can sit back and do what you can. But against Man City, that's kind of the only way you can do it. I mean, that player for player, if I want to quote Elio here, football is not played on paper, but it's one of those games where... Yeah, he is the first person <laughs> yeah, to say that. He coined that phrase. I think anyone that plays Man City has to have an element of praying and just trying to take their chances when they come and hoping that their 70% possession doesn't amount to anything. I think this was kind of inevitable, but I think, like I said, we did what we needed to do. It's just that we fell apart in key moments. I mean, the long lay goal at the end was just an absolute calamity. At least two of the three goals that put them 3-2 up, Perisic yeah. made pretty clear error. And then for the other one, he was just kind of out-muscled, out-forced, out-ran by Mares. I thought I'd pin it all on Perisic because obviously there were a couple of other performers that didn't do well. But I think there were some encouraging performances in there. But yeah, I guess you know we've managed to take a lot of points off Man City recently. And I suppose this was mm. inevitable. Yeah, I think it's interesting in the sense if you look at the trajectory of how obviously Spurs are doing yeah. this season, but also how Man City are doing. I don't know about you, but from an outsider looking in, it almost felt like this was a good opportunity, and then obviously at two nil up, it was yeah. like, oh my god, this is this is happening. It's it's all we, it's happening all over we again. We were going to see it out at two 0 We were all texting each other, thinking it was almost weirdly Tottenham predictable because. We, like you say, we always seem to have this weird good run against Man City. We just yeah. embarrassed ourselves against Arsenal, basically. We just thought this is going to be that game where this all happens and inexplicably Spurs pull out a great performance and do well. And then we were saying, watch us lose at Fulham and it ended up being the opposite. So basically Spurs are hard to predict. Yeah, after being very predictable for so long yeah. uh, this season, it, it certainly seems that suddenly it's a bit of a tricky one to put your finger on mm. what is happening. Um, Mares. Oh, Mares destroyed that player. What side was he playing on, Mares? He was on the right, which is Perisic's side. <laughs> Perisic is so, our so, so left wing saying, back. So we're it saying be that said. Perisic was the yeah. villain and arguably one of the goal scorers. Mm. Royale was the hero. Well, Royale, I think everyone was quite happy for Emerson Royale. I think he's a player that's obviously much maligned, but I think people kind of like him because he, he is likable. He, he's always smiley. He's always putting on a show and he posts his little videos on Twitter and stuff. So I think people want him to do well and recognize his limitations and the fact that he's just been brought into the wrong system. So really happy to see him get a goal. It was a bit of a bizarre goal. He was kind of, it was a bit like if you saw Sandro Martinez's goal against Arsenal, the mm -hmm. kind of diving, looping header. It was a bit like that. But I think with the exception of perhaps being a little bit weak in the tackle and the build up to, I think, the second goal, he actually had a good game. I think defensively he did quite well. And we've seen this with Emerson Royale in games against basically 
good teams, teams that will pin us back. Because I think the thing about him is that he's not a right wing back, he's a right back. And in games where he's forced to play a right back role, he actually does quite well there. When he's asked to bring the ball out of defence and instigate attacks and get involved in the play, he's he's getting better. But he's, I think we all agree that he's not the finished article and he never will be. And that's why we're potentially on the verge of signing a replacement for him. But in this game, he actually had a really good game, I thought. He played quite well probably involved to an extent in one of the goals but otherwise for his standards I wasn't wasn't too upset yeah any other standouts do you think from the team any any positive performances to take out of it I think Bentacle is really good which is becoming a bit of a recurring theme I think yeah. there are those three players every game that the chances are if you're going to say three of our players had a good game it's going to be Kane Kulisewski and Bentacle mm. maybe Romero on occasion he hasn't quite been his old self since the World Cup I would say but he's still been competent but no I think Bentacle was particularly impressive because he's been injured and he's come back in like he was, was never away and I think yeah. he just makes a mockery of Hoiberg next to him he's been playing consistently and he just doesn't look that comfortable on the ball I think it's exposed and if you compare the two of them Bentacle is much better he was the one pressing for the first goal led to the goal and he was involved in the build up in the second goal as well I think he played a ball forward which led to the scramble that ended up with the goal so he was a big part of why we were 2-0 up Kulisevsky again obviously scored the opener was just generally a really good outlet for the counter-attacks and just very good on the ball and Kane was just being Kane the way we played though I think we showed that we're a team that is capable of beating the big boys we just didn't do it on the day yeah it is a familiar tune in terms yeah. of the in terms of performing players and and also it's quite telling and I don't know if you would agree with me that, that two of those players are two of the newest signings that you've made it's um, you know yeah. I would argue that makes a bit of a mockery of some of the Enoch out brigade in the sense that you are yeah. improving the team by bringing in better players what do you think do you think, do you think that's do you think when they get performances consistently from Benton Curran Kulisevsky, uh, Daniel Levy is, he's like saying, see, are you not entertained? <laughs> it's a really difficult one because it's hard to know what the majority really thinks because we know what Twitter's like. Twitter is a very loud minority sometimes, but the impression I get is that the majority of Spurs fans at the moment are very anti-Enic. They're, they're at the point where they've lost patience for one reason or another. They're tipped over the edge. Even Elio is getting that way now. And I think Elio, like he said, has been one of their biggest apologists, I think is how he described himself. And it's a difficult one. And, and Gary Neville, of all people, was actually kind of defending Arbor, which is ironic considering every other week he's uh, complaining about the Man United owners. But anyway, Gary Neville was basically saying, you've got to look they're at They're not Spurs. complaining about the Man United owners anymore because they're winning well, games. Don't forget that. No, no, yeah. Now there's no reason to complain, but give them a couple of bad weeks. Um, but he was basically saying, it was on Monday Night Football, him and Carragher having one of their heated debates. And uh, he was saying, if we look at the signings that Spurs made, when Spurs made them back in the summer and they were doing their predictions of who's going to be title school challengers, who's going to crack it, everyone was looking at Spurs and saying, Spurs have done really good business here. And like you say, the players that we have brought in have performed. You could argue that we should have brought more in, but we've spent you know, 150 million or so or getting there. I mean, Richarlison was expensive. Maybe we overpaid for him, but we've signed some very good players and our most recent signings with the exception of Emerson Royale, who was actually brought in before the Conte era, let's remember, he was signed at a time where we were going to play a back four. So circumstances have affected him, have all been really successful players. And, you know, we're on the verge, we'll talk about signings in a minute, but we're on the verge of signing a couple of new, fairly strong candidates for the first team. I don't want to be too controversial and say, let's get 100% behind Enoch, because it's more nuanced than that. And obviously it goes back further than this window. And we can talk about all the other times they didn't push on and back the manager when Pochettino had two windows with absolutely nothing. When we got to a Champions League final and they didn't take that opportunity to capitalise and push on and buy more players. And you can go back and forth for hours about this. But I think if you just look at Conte's reign 
and the, the money that's been spent and the players that have been brought in, you make a really good point. We've actually done well with what we have and the players that have come in have improved us because look at what we've become since Conte started. Fourth seemed like a dream. And the other thing is if you look at where Spurs are now, even though we've had this whole stuttering start thing and we've had a couple of bad results recently and we're not playing the most beautiful football and there's a lot of discontent around the club for all kinds of reasons, we are still in fifth. We are not that far off the top four. There's a whole half a season to go. We're in the FA Cup. We're in the Champions League knockout stages and we've just made a new signing. We're about to make another one. You know, it's not all sunshine and rainbows, but I think the fact that Arsenal are seemingly running away with the league and Chelsea are spending money like it's football manager and they've just than ultimate unlimited money cheat. It just makes the whole situation seem a little bit more hopeless, like we're moving backwards. But I think it's not as terrible as a lot of Spurs fans seem to think it is at the moment. I agree. I understand when you're a football fan of a specific club and you know you, yeah. you, you can get a little bit lost in your own yeah. arsehole, to be honest, um, uh, and drink your own <laughs> lost Kool-Aid. Lost in your own arsehole. Uh, and drink your own Kool-Aid and think that you, you know everything is wrong when actually everything's quite all right. Yeah. And I don't want to chirp on about, you know, it must be nice to be fifth and in the Champions League yeah. knockout stages, but it must be nice. And I think, you know, there are some things that are explainable in the Premier League and yeah. there's some things that aren't. And ultimately Spurs are fifth. And I think that is not a million miles away from where Spurs should be. I think yeah, that's the thing. I think we've been consistently fourth and fifth for a while now. That's kind of our mm. par, isn't it? You know, we, we had a couple of seasons where we pushed and were second and third. But if you look at where we have been for the last five, six years versus where we were at the beginning of Enix's tenure, there's no doubt that we've progressed. It's just how we now hit a plateau. And every season that goes by where we're fifth and we say, eh, it's not that bad, we're fifth, or we scrape into fourth, there's more fuel to the fire of we need to do something different. And it adds more weight to the argument that all the board wants to do is cash in on finishing fourth every year and Champions League revenue, and they don't actually care about trying to win the title. So it's it's a difficult one. I understand why people are frustrated. I do. I do get it. I just think that it's very easy to just throw your toys out the pram and blame the board and jump on bandwagons rather than try and be the brave one who stands up and says, oh, actually, you know what? Maybe they deserve some credit. Maybe it's not that simple. Maybe it's not that easy to compete with multi-million pound signings and the rest of it. And there's a lot of teams in the league. And I don't know. It's a difficult one, but I feel like we go over it every single week. Yeah. So I don't want to get dragged down that rabbit hole again. Yeah. Speaking of things we do every single week, obviously when, yeah. when Elio's here, we do go in a bit more detail about all the goals. But I think, we, I mm. think in, in the interest of brevity and the fact that we've yes. got a lot to go through here, Let's just write off that game and say, you know, that was a defeat. Let's move <laughs> and, on. Let's move on to the more positive And we can assume that I don't remember them well enough. Exactly. Yeah, you exactly. don't remember let's, them. Let's I don't remember game. them. It was a long time ago. Let's all just move on, shall we? I think arguably the most embarrassing thing about that game was the fact that Pep saw Spurs on the fixture list and thought, ah, we'll give De Bruyne a rest for that one. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> just, uh, we, have, we even bench. mentioned that, that bench, that bench oh. made the rounds, didn't it? Yeah. Genuinely, I went through their bench and every single outfield player on there, and I'm not exaggerating for effect, every single outfield player would walk into our team. It I was think, just I think every single like fair player Foden, on that bench would walk Bernardo into any Silva. Team. Yeah, I mean, even though even their sub goalie, I don't even know who he is, but at the moment, you'd probably argue he'd give Larissa a run for his money. The whole bench was good enough for our first team, and that that's another reason why you've got to say, is that really who we're up against? And people are complaining that we're not going for the title. That being said, Arsenal similar boat, and they are so. There's well, it's like it's like it's like what I said in the last podcast. Not to not to blow my own trumpet, but um, you know, <laughs> you Spurs, blow away, Dave. Spurs are struggling. Man City are struggling, but levels. You know, Man City struggling means that oh no, we'll have to rest yeah. some of our world class players and play some of our other world class players. How are yeah. we ever going to cope? So I bring think, on Calvin uh, Phillips, our fifth choice midfielder. Well, yeah, poor old Calvin. 
Poor Calvin. Should have stayed at Leeds. Actually, no, yeah. I, I'd argue that Tyler Adams is better, but let's move Oof, on. That's um, bold. Yeah, let's move uh, on. Well, actually, Tottenham Man City's next, isn't it, in the Premier League? It is. So let's, let's bounce around. Better chance at home? Question mark. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the way the way the fan base is at the moment, the mood. I mean, I've not been to a game in a while. I must admit, and I've spoken to Elio, and I think the impression is that the game starts out where there's a bit of a buzz and atmosphere. But I think the fans are very impatient at the moment. They're very quick to get on the players' backs. We've had booze at halftime, and I think. Mm. It's one of those games where I can imagine the players will let it get in their heads a bit more at home. Normally playing at home is an advantage, but I think the way it is at the moment, if you just play a backwards pass when you've got a chance to move forward or you play a slightly wayward ball or things aren't going your way, the crowd will turn pretty quickly. Mm. So I think it's almost less pressure playing it at the Etihad because everyone expects you to lose that fixture. And your fans aren't there getting annoyed by it. I imagine De Bruyne might actually play this time and maybe give them a bit more of an advantage. And uh, the difference this time as well is that Haaland was coming off a relative goal drought by his standards, which didn't stop him scoring, I might add. But this time he's coming off the back of a hat trick. So he seems to be back on full power Erling Haaland, which is a lovely timing, of course. Worth so, reminding, uh, though, that you know the next game is, is not that game and the next game is the FA Cup. And Man is. City have got a very tough game. So mm. I think I think it's probably, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll go into in a minute when we start talking about the FA Cup but yeah. we're getting ahead of ourselves we have to talk about we do Spurs that. victory um, which oh. I know we don't talk about many of them um, uh, <laughs> but it is worth talking about Fulham nil Spurs won and quite frankly yeah. a result which I did not anticipate because I expected there to be plenty of goals and I expected more to be scored by Fulham to be honest I, I think in fact I know <laughs> I was expecting this podcast to be, well, Elio would definitely yeah. have been here if we'd have lost, <laughs> if you'd have lost to Fulham. <laughs> he'd have still uh, been talking. He, he'd have been, he'd have Ranting. been definitely on this one because we'd have probably been talking about the end of Antonio Conte, <sighs> I honestly believe. Yeah. But not to be. Apparently a really positive team meeting where everybody had a little bit of a cuddle mm. and then everybody's all better and then suddenly you can beat Fulham at This Crime mysterious College. team meeting. Um, you... Sure, as, a, as an insider, you were there at this team meeting. So tell me about it. <laughs> I was I was sitting in the back quietly, hoping no one noticed me, just reading a newspaper with eye holes in it. Um, <laughs> I, I know very little about this this elusive, mysterious team meeting, but uh, Harry Kane and Antonio Conte have both mentioned it in interviews recently. There's been quite a lot of talk about this, and the gist I'm getting is it was basically. Conte to trying to take some of the blame off the players. They look, this comes back to me. Let's go back to basics. Let's learn how to defend. Uh, he's come out with these quotes like conceding 21 goals in 10 games or four and a half as it was against Man City means there is something wrong. I mean, that's why he's paid millions a year to come out with quotes like that, right? Uh, so the there's some kind of mentality shift that seems to have taken place where players are like, right, come on, let's sort this out. It's like on Football Manager where you've had a bit of a bad form. You hold a team meeting you pick a random box and then when they all get happy, you, you say, that's exactly what I wanted to hear. Brilliant. And <laughs> that's what Conte has done. I'm fascinated by this idea. I'm fascinated by the idea that professional people in their jobs <laughs> don't meet until something really bad's happened. <laughs> it's like the ultimate reactive yeah. management technique. Like exactly yeah. as football manager. Football manager, you, you you only call a team meeting when something's yeah. gone really wrong, or you need to. Or if it's wrong. an FA Cup final. What are you talking about? They have yeah. a meeting every day. <laughs> you got a player sitting there saying this could have been an email. Is is a meeting exactly? Yeah, TLDR. Um, yeah. Are we saying that Spurs don't have team meetings? 
Conte should I, be gone for that. I don't know, but there's been a lot made. <laughs> Maybe he just hates all the players, Dave. I don't know. Maybe he just doesn't want to talk to them. He probably just wants to go home and eat or something, um, have a glass of wine. I just I just assume that there should be a shred of the equivalent of what working in a company would be like. And, and I just yeah. can't imagine a company that just has crisis meetings and no other meetings. I, I just imagine it being a bit more like a school because, you know, these are all young men that are, are What, just- assembly? I can imagine him just giving them a dressing down, just like a headmaster, just like every so often. I, I feel like they, they probably just don't talk. But every so often, he just, just goes into the dressing room or, or the training pitch and just lets loose and gives them the full-on hairdryer. Uh, but this sounds like it wasn't a dressing down. From from what I'm gathering, and I'm, I'm, I'm kind of speculating, I'm, I'm imagining it in my head now. Yeah, They're all sitting in a boardroom. No, oh, I'm kidding. Um, but the, the impression I get is that this was more of a kind of humble Conte just saying let's take this back to basics back to basics is what what I've heard thrown around a few times and look it it seems to have paid off because Fulham are a good team and a win against Fulham at the moment is no easy feat Uh, they're arguably I'll say that they're arguably the best this is quite a sad statement but they're probably the best team we've beaten this year when you actually think about it we've not beaten any of the big boys we beat Marseille in Europe. We beat Brighton. Brighton are probably the best team, maybe. Brighton or Fulham. Um, so let, let's not take anything away from the team. It was a good performance and it wasn't spectacular. We, we weren't brilliant. They, they, they had chances. There was the obligatory Hugo spill mm-hmm. about 20 minutes in that nearly resulted in the goal. But to his credit, he scrambled and got the ball pretty quickly. But we actually looked quite good. And I think it's one of those games where... Fulham have a habit of making teams not look very good and we managed to get through it. And most importantly, a clean sheet, not mm. just in the first half, but all the way to the end. And in the last 12 games or so, I think we've only had one clean sheet. That was the 4-0 win against Palace. We've only had, we've only not got to half time without conceding until most of those games. Yeah. So so yeah, it was, it was a really good result. It wasn't a brilliant performance, but it's definitely a game I remember for a while just because of Harry Kane's goal, because of what a lovely goal it was and what it stands for. Yeah, great finish. I, yeah. I do think... I, th- I think Elio might murder us if we steal his monologue of Ken, yeah. the, Ken the Great. <laughs> I was so, thinking that. So I think let's run on the belief that equaling a record is good, but breaking a record is better. So the next time, like the next time we get together after a hat-trick against Preston and a hat-trick against City. <laughs> Cue um, a Harry Kane uh, goal drought now for the next yeah, seven exactly. games. Yeah, exactly. He doesn't go for the next three years. And, uh, yeah. we, and, and, we, and we're just doing this podcast. Maybe we replace it with a Has Kane Scored podcast. <laughs> yeah, why is Kane not scoring? Has the record got to his head? But no, it was it was a classic Harry Kane goal. I actually, um, this, this is quite sad, Dave, but you won't surprise you at all. I watched a YouTube video earlier of all of Harry Kane's goals for Spurs. Because I really thought, sad. what better time? It's very it's very sad. Yeah, you don't even watch our highlights. And so look at me going the extra mile. Uh, so yeah, I watched all of his goals. And this is, I'd put it in his top, top 20, I'd say, which, you know, when you've scored 260 odd, 266 to be precise for Spurs, is pretty good. So uh, it, was, it was a vintage Harry Kane goal. It actually reminded me a little bit of one of his early goals against Chelsea. Chelsea, where I think he shrugged off Oscar, turned and sort of got a few pushes and managed to stay on his feet. But I think the impressive thing about it was the strength and the balance to stay up, to actually get into the position to shoot. And then the fact that he kind of just shot without even looking. He just hit it, knew where he was in respect to the goal and what a hit, just perfectly placed in the corner. You Vintage know, that, you know that kind of goal always reminds me of? I'll give, mm. you, I'll give you three guesses. Oh, um, you're going to have to give me more than that, Dave. You're going to have to give me a clue, at least. Well, obviously it's a Leeds player. Strong. Right. Deadly finisher. Knows well, where Hasselbank. the goal is. Baduka. No, he never, he never scored. Baduka is the answer. Baduka. He scored of plenty of those kind of goals. Back yeah. to goal, swivel, bottom corner. Using his strength. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, really good goal. Really tidy, I believe the word is. 
So, yeah, so yeah, a Harry clean Kane. sheet, a Harry mm. Kane goal, three points at Fulham, putting some daylight between you and sixth place, which is great. Yep. Assemblies work, clearly. <laughs> they do, yeah. They so do. More assemblies, assume, please. So I can only assume that next week your economics teacher, Mr. Paratici, is going to teach you about tax returns. <laughs> Oh, where do we begin on Paratici? The truth is, uh, there's a lot of mystery let's, let's, over let's it. Just, let's just gloss well, over let me summarize. Let me summarize it briefly. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to incriminate myself. But no, basically, long story short, and it is a long story, Paratici has received a ban in Italy in respect of some inflated transfer fees, I think were the words used. It's not the first time Juventus have been involved in some scandalous behavior like this. And uh, it definitely backs up my theory that Alvaro Morata is a walking money laundering scheme. Mm. But either way, Paratici, it appears, and again, innocent until proven guilty, there's nothing confirmed yet. There's an appeal going on and a criminal investigation, but it appears he's been involved in some nefarious activities relating to transfers when he was at Juventus, which has led for the time being to a 30-month ban in Italy. And there is a hearing at the moment to see whether FIFA extends this to all of Europe. So there is a chance that he might not be able to operate in his capacity as managing director of football for Spurs, which I honestly don't know what that would mean. I don't know if that just means that Levy takes over all the transfer business for the time being and we find a replacement or what, but it all sounds very shady. It's more fuel to the fire for the anti-Enoch brigade who are saying, Mm. why has Levy gone and hired this criminal, this crook? But I must stress, we don't know what's going on. I don't know if someone's going to turn up with a truck and bundle Kulisevsky and Bensonkor in the back and repossess them. But it's not good, is it? It's not a good look. No, uh, and, I, and I think Nicky Landini did, did a good job of giving of in the latest Guardian podcast. And I think one of the things that they they did mention as a don't worry Spurs fans, it's not all doom and gloom, was that yeah. I believe there was some kind of letter of intent in terms of this uh, salary delay tactic that is the is the other half of this uh, case. Yeah, where the players signed off their four months of salaries, but in fact. They didn't. They signed off one month of salaries with a guaranteed bonus later in the year, which essentially oh, made a mockery of their tax uh, of their accounts. <laughs> yeah, just um, just some loopholes. But isn't it, it was a letter of intent, which was signed by quite a lot of the Juventus players, uh, saying they expect these bonuses. But it was not signed by several players, including Kulusevski and Bentancourt. So it sounds yeah. like even though it might be a bit of a sticky wicket for Paratici, I, I think it sounds like. Player-wise, you're on a bit more solid ground, so that's something. At least. Yeah, and, and that's that's a very good point because there were some concerns that those two might actually be implicated in it from their time at Juventus, but it doesn't look like they will be. Um, Juventus have actually had 15 points deducted, not for the mm. first time. I might add, they've had this before. Um, I just had a look at the table and was wondering where we'd be if they took 15 points off us, and we'd be around about level with you, Dave. Actually, <laughs> we'd be down down there and around, I think, 13th or 14th. So uh, it doesn't look like it's going to happen, though. So. Hopefully. We don't need points mate. being taken off. We're having a hard enough time getting points as it is. Yeah, you don't want to be down with those. It's bleak down. <laughs> it does sound it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's Paratitude anyway, as far sorry, as I'm aware. That was a bit, bit aware. of a segue. It's, it was. it's quite difficult actually we, being... We like being, our segues on the going, podcast, going chronologically on this podcast, I'm bouncing all Oh, it's impossible. Uh, I, hope, I hope you're getting a newfound appreciation for my role because it's very difficult because you, you've got this lovely plan of action and this itinerary and then one of you just takes it down a different path, usually Elio. Let's, let's tell it how it is. Um, or he'll answer three or four points that I was meaning to get onto later down the line and then I just have no idea where I am. So over to you. Good luck. What's next? Next on the agenda. <laughs> what is next? Well, let's... Well, let's <laughs> keep talking about the games so we've talked about the games that have been 
we've talked yeah. about one a little bit about one of the games that is to come, but I think the more important game to come is the fourth round of the FA Cup against mm. Preston, which is Mammoth a perfect game. opportunity for you to talk about your football manager, today, <laughs> which is really why that. we're all here. That, um, yeah, that's the, how the is, jewel how and the is, crown how of this is podcast. How is the Brexit revolution at Preston going? You know what? It's it's suddenly got very... Um, it's like Guardiola's taken over Burnley. It's like uh, the Vincent Company revolution. Suddenly, um, I've got You've a got load of technical ball-playing players. <laughs> yeah, the Route 1 wasn't working. Although Eric Dyer is somehow sticking in my team, but he's he's leaving. He's leaving at the end of the season. Um, I've been hitting foot manager hard. I'm not actually working a day job at the moment. I'm starting a new job in a couple of weeks. So the only option was to spend every waking hour playing football manager and uh, I'm in my fourth or fifth season now with Preston and I'm delighted to announce that we just won the double just like they did in the 1890s or whatever it was the first team to do it uh, the original Lily Whites Eric Dyer lifted the two trophies (laughs) that's how you know it's a game Dave and there have been a few Spurs links or plus Dave links I mentioned that Sean Longstaff was involved in my team but he's he's history now he was replaced by uh, (laughs) a young man by the name of Papa Matisar who has become the new box to box maestro and a couple of other loan signings Uh, Kieran Trippier came in to provide a bit of experience on the wing and uh, who else Oh, I, I did eventually replace Eric Dyer in the starting lineup with Torino centre-back, the Brazilian Bremer, much like Spurs were rumoured to be doing last summer and it never happened. And it, it paid off. So uh, Daniel Levy, Paratici, if you're listening, Paratici's probably got better things to be doing. Um, give it a well, go, like, you know, sign him. Like, yeah. Digging, digging Burning documents. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The film manager's not that advanced yet, so I haven't had any um, director of football scandals yet, but uh, let's wait for the next one. But yeah, it's um, it's all going well with, all going very well with Preston and I'm on the verge of, I'm, I'm going to try and implement a libero and I'm looking at Ben White as a ball playing defender who can Benjamin float White, up the pitch. Eh? Just mm. for the, I figured I've been neglecting leads. I've got a lot of experts in there, but I need some ex-leads. So uh, him, I uh, maybe Melier as well because I need a new keeper. Well, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I mean, you there could you go. go. You could go a lot worse than uh, than Ilan Ben White. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's a tenuous Leeds link and more of a more of an Arsenal link, I would say. But you know, if you want to, yeah. Wanna- Welcome the vitriol from our fans, then, by all means. Oh, I mean, yeah, maybe I should stay clear of him, really. He's having a good season. He, um, he, he, he stopped being us when he changed from Ben White to Benjamin White, in my opinion. Benjamin. I mean, if I'm sorry to any Benjamins listening, but if your name's Benjamin and someone calls you Ben and you correct them and say it's Benjamin, I, I always find that a bit weird, you know? It's yeah, like if I but, said, oh, hey, hey, Dave, you said it's David. Yeah, but the, the film would be weird if it was the curious case of Ben Button. Ben <laughs> This is anyway, one of those mad said, segue sidetracks that we go down. Computer game. Yeah. So As for Preston, Preston, the real life Preston, real. who sadly are not on the verge of winning the double, Preston they're in the championship. IRL. Let's go. They are they, in the fourth round of the FA Cup, which is great. And they're, they're going through Spurs. quite a Spursy vein of form, I would say. They're very up and down. They're very win lose, win lose. I, mean, so. I, mean, I, I would argue that's the championship. Thanks. I know yeah, you haven't experienced it is. recently, but I've heard that tales, is what Dave. it does. Yeah. Well, they won their last game, which means it's a pretty much a guaranteed giant killing at Spurs. Obviously, Preston, the reason I picked them for my foot manager save was that they have a bit of a, a romantic history and link with Spurs. They were the original Lily Whites, the reason Spurs play in white, uh, because they were one of the powerhouses back in the late 19th century when uh, Spurs were formed and one of the big teams back in those days and have yeah. fallen on slightly worse fortunes of late. But let's see how that goes. Definitely want to see us play a full strength team, though, because I think we need to go for everything we're in. Yeah, I think that's the question now isn't it it's uh, i mean uh, don't get me wrong i'm getting a nosebleed because leads are in the fourth round but i am up for the cup because we just never 
get to the fourth round of the FA Cup. And we're away at Accrington on the on the same day, on Saturday. TV cameras are there. It's also up for it to be an absolute giant killing. I'm expecting us to get beat, but it would be wonderful yeah. if we got through to the fifth round, which would be the first time in a long time. And I think even more important than silverware, because, you know... Silverware's overrated, Dave. Um, yeah, well, yeah, absolutely. But it's an important opportunity to get some momentum. And that's what I felt with the Cardiff game for Leeds last week, which was a replay, which we won 5-2 and scored some absolutely delightful goals. Unfortunately, we couldn't roll it all the way into uh, into the next game by drawing 0-0 with Brentford. But we didn't lose to Brentford. And a lot of teams are losing to Brentford. So I, uh, I'm taking that as a positive and I'm putting it down to the momentum that we can get from a decent performance in the cup. So I am therefore hoping for another decent performance in the cup because we, I don't know if you've noticed the fixtures that are coming up, but we have got... Uh, a gauntlet. Manchester United twice in four days uh, in yeah. the middle of February, which I'm I think, thrilled about. And this is my FPL knowledge coming in. I think one of those fixtures is contingent on you on not drawing... Yeah your FA Cup game because I'm packing my team full of Leeds and Man United players in anticipation of the double game week I mean what a waste <laughs> full of Man United players <laughs> yeah you approve of me going for Nonto and Rodrigo though yeah oh absolutely well you've got to go for Rodrigo yeah. he's my brother if, if, they're doppel- if your doppelganger isn't yeah. picking you in FPL then you're doing something really yeah, wrong yeah exactly it's a bit awkward isn't it um, indeed as for the FA Cup I think the, the best news about that is the fact that Man City and Arsenal are going to one of them's going to get knocked out they're playing tomorrow and quite a few people out already quite a few of the big boys out already and Brighton Liverpool is a nice lineup because obviously we'd quite like to avoid either of those Particularly Brighton. So, yeah, I think <laughs> FA Cup. FA Cup is one of those things that it's weird because we've not won it since 1991 when I was five and I don't even remember it. But I was brought up being told about Spurs being this FA Cup team and the FA Cup being our competition. And I say brought up, this was Elio telling me this. Elio was like my Spurs dad <laughs> and his dad was my Spurs granddad. And at that time, we had actually won more than everyone else. And then suddenly, you know, Arsenal fly ahead of us, Man United fly ahead of us. But, you know, as a child, I thought Spurs competition where we had the richest history was the FA Cup. So uh, always wanted to see us give it a good go. And my first ever North London derby was the FA Cup semi-final at Old Trafford. So oh, there you go. Yeah, that was a that was a bad day. No, I'm okay, kidding. It was a great day. It was a bad result. <laughs> uh, indeed, indeed. Well... Fingers crossed for both of us and fingers crossed for us to get drawn against each other Ooh, in the round. That'll be fun. Wouldn't that be tasty? How long is it until our next scheduled game? Um, no, I'm asking question. you like you'll have it memorized. Great question. Like I've got it memorized yeah. and ingrained in my brain. It's your cup uh, final, then, Dave, ever since uh, you started yeah, doing this podcast. I've got, I've got a little thing called the internet, so I'm going to... In fact, isn't our game <laughs> where, the last game of the season? On a serious note, where would we be? Where would we be as a podcast without smartphones and internet in the moment looking things up to try and cover our tracks when we haven't prepared <laughs> well elio elio would never win a quiz am i right <laughs> oh, some shots being fired there <laughs> some shots being fired um here. uh no of course elio is a very straight and narrow kind of guy. he's a freak show our game is the last game of the season Leeds United versus Tottenham. Yeah, interesting. So, I mean, it could be an absolute nothing. We'll be safely fourth, and and we'll be safely safe. I think the smart money says that that will be beach versus beach, or maybe we'll be trying to nick a Europa Conference (laughs) League spot. I would love that. I would love us to be safe before the last game of the season, but that seems unrealistic as it stands. So, yeah, we've touched on City already at home. When is that game? Good question. 
It's Come not on, for a while. Let's, let's, let's do it. Let's do our research. <laughs> See, this, on, this I should have memorised in my mind on like the Spurs Leeds game. Uh, so Sunday afternoon football. It's the big game on mm, Super Sunday, four thirty kickoff on, TV. on the fifth. Yeah. I'm really not sure um, how to feel about it because, as we've seen evidence of in the last game, when Man City play Spurs, anything can happen. They're always mm. just bizarre games. I, mean, I think probably the maddest game I've ever seen was that Champions League game with the VAR drama at the end. And honestly, just don't even know what to expect. Because we seem to play well, even when we lose against Man City. We seem to pull out a good performance. And Guardiola just seems to not always have the best game plan against us. So who knows? Put it this way, I have Erling Haaland in my FPL team and I'm still going to captain him and maybe even triple captain him. So that, that probably tells you what you need to know. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I think there's probably an element of damned if you do, damned if you don't to that game for you. Because obviously I know that you're hiding your general distraught demeanour that Arsenal <laughs> are so clear at the top of the Premier League. Oh, um, why did you have to bring them into be- this? But beating Man City would not yeah. be a bad thing for I, your North London friends. I, I must admit, it, it's a weird thing. I, I hate when football does this to you. And I, I know Elio would, he would give me the Antonio Conte style dressing down, headmaster style, if I, yeah, even, but he's not if I even dared suggest this. I, he might listen. He, it's missing his favourite part, which is him, but he might be listening. Um, <laughs> th- there is a small part of me at the end of it was like, well, at least we're letting Man City keep chasing Arsenal. Don't get me wrong. I didn't go into the game thinking, I hope we lose so that they can catch Arsenal. I'm very much with Elio in the sense that we want to do as well as we can. If we finish higher because Arsenal win the league, then that's better for us. It's not relevant. But there's always that part just thinking, oh, please don't let them win the league. I did hear an interesting quote. I've sent this to you before, but um, Danny Kelly, who hosts the Athletics View from the Lane podcast, was saying, and he got a lot of he, he got a lot of shit for this. He was basically saying that there's a part of him, as a pure football fan, you know, because we're football fans as much as we are fans of our teams, that thinks it would actually be a good thing for football if Arsenal managed to win the league ahead of Man City. And I'm not going to go out and say those dirty words, but I, I understand the sentiment because they're playing really good football. Let's let's not lie. They're playing lovely football. It's good to watch them. If you, they weren't Arsenal, I'd be cheering and clapping and saying, well done. And they're doing it not on a shoestring budget. Let's not pretend that Mikel Arteta hasn't had a lot of money to play with, but with sensible, normal top flight money and not super mega rich Chelsea, Man City oil money. And by the same token, it's not Leicester hoofing it long and you know counter-attacking. They're playing good football they're doing it the right way with a, a young manager that's been given time. They're doing everything that we wished we had done. And that's what makes it hurt more. But also what makes you kind of have to sit back and say, well done, fair play. And if they win it, I think on the basis of what we've seen so far, they'll have deserved it. And for everyone other than Spurs fans, I think you'd have to say it's a small victory for football. And uh, I'm going to deny having ever said that, despite the fact that it's now <laughs> being recorded on on the podcast. But uh does that make any sense to you? I think it does make sense. And I think all the people that are chewing razor blades while listening to that will take solace in the fact that there is, unfortunately, well, fortunately, there is only one Arsene Wenger and there's only one Alec Ferguson mm. and everything is cyclical. And Arsenal were saying that exactly what you just said about Spurs when you had Poch. Yeah. And they will be saying it about you when you've got another manager in a few years' time and Arteta goes to Barcelona and... <laughs> And they successfully replace him with someone who they think is the future and they're terrible and they get sacked and we begin again. Maybe they even get Wayne Rooney in. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe they even get Frank Lampard. But we just don't know <laughs> oh. what's going to happen around the corner. What does he say? Yes, don't give me hope. Maybe Arsenal. 
<laughs> exactly. Maybe Arsenal will win the league this season. It certainly looks good for them. It's the first time you've mentioned but Frank Lampard all this time. We'll see. Dave. I'm, I'm really surprised. Well, that, was um, my, that was my next topic, <laughs> actually. Um, I so, thought that would be on the hey, agenda. Hey, what a segue. Hey. My birthday was <laughs> yes. on Monday. Happy birthday. Really happy birthday, January. it turned out. And it was bittersweet mm. because we had to say goodbye to the sweet prince that is Frank <laughs> Lampard from the Premier League's interim manager company. Yeah. Um, I can't believe they had an interim manager for so long. They should have got a professional in. I but thought they didn't have like they are going to. Well, interim, Caretaker. temporary, yeah. you know, Duncan Ferguson's rent boy, whatever you want to say. Um Either way, Lampard is gone. Yep. I'm delighted mm. that they've seen sense. I'm also tinged with delight that we're the the the, the rumor is that they're actually going to replace him with Bielsa, Bielsa. which would be an incredible yeah. power move, an alpha yeah. move from Bielsa after the fun games from from Derby, uh, from Derby Spygate, and <laughs> and the we do analysis two chat from Lampard and the general level of disrespect that he gave yeah. Bielsa, that it is Bielsa who potentially might come in and clean up Lampard's mess at Everton, which is Oh, glorious. it would be hilarious. Um, at the same time, I don't want him to get the job because he's brilliant and he'll turn Everton season round. Mm. And that means Leeds will have one less team who can be worse than them this season, which unfortunately is the way it's looking. But it anyway, reminds me of when, when Solskjaer went from Man United and, and the talk was that Pochettino was going to take over and be the saviour. Uh, I think I, I can relate to that. Um, I, they were great for the Premier League to have Yelsa back, but I totally understand where you're coming from. The second favourite for the job, if I'm not mistaken, is somebody that I shouted out at the beginning of the season as a, as a hot take, and that's Sean Dyche. <laughs> it almost feels too good to be true. You look at their defence. Who is, is it Tarkovsky? Tarkovsky and, and Cody. But I, I think that in itself, the fact that the two favourites are what I can only describe as the polar yeah, opposite of management. I mean, if that doesn't say no sense the of direction. That that's the two, that's exactly, that's yeah. crazy. But that might be just the bookies having fun and games and just going to the, the obvious, making making a bit of obvious money. But yeah. yeah, I mean, I'd be fascinated if Bielsa gets it because I'd like to see what he can do with that because it would be unlike anything he's ever done. He's never parachuted into mm. a team halfway through a season before. Well, that's the thing. Um, he needs time to prepare, right? I mean, his thing is all about meticulous study and watching all the games. And unless he's been doing that in anticipation, unless, oh, he, unless he just that. saw that a Lampard in the role and he thought he's not going to last, you know, what's he doing there? No, that, that'll be done. Yeah. Um, He's got he's got disciples of disciples of researchers who do all of this basically at his behest. They mm. wait for his call and they, and they say and they say we're going to Lille, okay. And everybody just packs up their bags and leaves their wives yeah. and children and goes to Lille and does a job for Marcelo Bielsa. Yeah, exactly what happened with Leeds. We lost all of our coaching staff when he left. Yeah, because they're Bielsa's guys, and then, not Leeds. Then guys. Four days later, he does the same thing and quits and <laughs> flies back out. <laughs> that would be funny. Well, Imagine yeah. if he takes I mean, the Everton that job. That would be the ultimate. He shows up, it shows up at Goodison and he's like, I thought we had Arnold Danjuma. What happened? I was going to build my team around him. Oh no, that's it. I'm out of here. I quit. What a wonderful segue onto the next thing we're about to talk, to talk about, Dags. We're like um, Son and Kane. Uh, yeah, the only other thing to talk about, I think, we've covered a lot and bounced mm. around, but the only other thing really to talk about is transfers. Yeah. Um, and there's been activity and things have happened. <laughs> there actually um, has been, so, yeah. So talk to me about what the hell happened at the start of this week at Everton. <laughs> well, it's funny because every week we start talking about transfers and then we say, ah, let's not talk about transfers until something actually happens because it's all nonsense and it's all rumours and, and papers trying to sell clickbait articles. But there's actually been, it, 
appears some actual activity and we've announced the signing. So Arnold Danjuma from VRL, who I get on to talk about in a bit, but basically Everton had done his medical. It was a bit like when uh, we were about to sign Willian all those years ago and then he ended up going to Chelsea. Um, he, he'd come out on Twitter and said, <laughs> I think it was, he tweeted, I will, I will do absolutely anything or I'm ready to do absolutely anything to help Everton avoid relegation on Twitter. <laughs> and somebody shared it. I said, I love this. I, I wish I'd written down who it was, but someone shared it with the caption, Meatloaf voice, but I won't do that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was brilliant. So yeah, basically we've hijacked the deal in shameless fashion and, and suddenly he's gone from what would have been, you'd imagine a guaranteed starting place at Everton to potentially being a rotation option at Spurs. Because uh, Dan Juma, for those who don't know, is... Um, He's very much in that Richarlison Son position. He's uh he tends to play off the left, although he's very two footed like Son. He's played up front as well. Mm. A lot of parallels with Son in that in that regard. He he likes to take people on. He's very skillful. I've not watched a huge amount. Obviously, I've jumped on YouTube and done my my regular scouting. But um, but us football nerds, Dave, I don't really like to rely on a on a YouTube highlights reel. I much prefer the slightly less cool method of scouting, which is just looking at a series of green bars on FB Ref and and assessing a football oh, absolutely. by the numbers. Um, and the numbers this season are not great, to be honest, but he's had some injury problems. And I think that's part of the reason why we're, we're looking to get him. So again, parallels with Son. He had a brilliant season last year, um, was one of the top scorers in, in La Liga. His goal scoring numbers were really good in terms of his expected goals and his actual goals and his expected assists and actual assists were, were right up there in the kind of 90th plus percentiles but he uh, he receives the ball he receives a lot of progressive passes he's up there in the kind of high 90s on that he completes a lot of dribbles so the numbers paint a picture of somebody that is going to be exciting to watch um, mm. and certainly the highlights reel does the same thing he's skillful he likes to nutmeg people he's the kind of player that he'll pick up the ball on the touchline and he'll drive at the defender at the fullback a bit of a throwback winger type um, which Son doesn't really do that much of anymore sadly Richarlison's got that in his locker of course but it's, it's just going to be interesting to see where he fits into the higher because the weird thing is Son has just not been performing I think it's been a whole half season now and he's just not been himself with the exception of a, mm. a spell off the bench where he scored a hat-trick and then went back to being rubbish and Richardson's had a couple of injuries but even when he's been fit he seems to be very much second choice which I don't something doesn't quite add up given that he is by all accounts a Conte signing somebody that Conte wanted to go and spend all that money on and wanted in the team so Son seems kind of untouchable so it, it seems really odd to me that the first signing we've made given all the areas in the team that we need to strengthen in particular has been in a position where we've already got a 60 million pound backup and he can also play up front as well but again so can Richarlison so it's an interesting one. He's very two-footed. I think 13 of his goals last year were with his left foot and then 14 were with his right or in the last two years. So he's, he's very much like Kane and Son in that regard. So he could, in theory, play on the right as well and cover for Kulusevski. But again, I can't see him coming in and taking that spot off Kulusevski. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see. And I think, I don't know what conversations would have been had between him and the Spurs hierarchy because he would have definitely walked into that Everton team. He would have played every game, first name on the team sheet pretty much. And he surely won't be guaranteed that kind of assurance at Spurs, which is, I don't know how to read that. I think maybe that just shows he's an ambitious player who who fancies himself to break into the team. But yeah, that's quite exciting. The other signing... I think it's an interesting one. Yeah. On. Before we jump onto, onto the second one, I think that's an interesting point because interesting to hear how this is how this has gone down with the Spurs fan base yeah. um obviously you only hear the Twitter side of that fan base which as we've already discussed a 
couple of bricks short of a wall, <laughs> shall we say. Um, yeah. But, uh, Follow us on Twitter. <laughs> hashtag. <laughs> <laughs> He's gone from a guaranteed starter to Everton to be a, a impact player, bench warmer, some might say, at Spurs. Yeah. Is that... I mean, what does that do? Does that does that fluff fluff the Spurs' feathers? Um, does that make them feel good because they've taken yeah. somebody who would start at a lower Premier League club and said that they're going to be someone who's uh, you know who might make an impact for them? I mean, we need more information. This is the thing because there's two ways of looking at it. Either he's really hungry, he's really ambitious, he wants to play in the Champions League, he wants to try and break into the Spurs team and challenge Son and Richarlison and Kane and get into the team, or maybe we just paid him more money. But Everton aren't exactly short of cash. So I don't know if it would have just come down to that. The smart money says that it's a promising sign. It's just a strange Mm. signing, given that that's arguably the last place we needed to make a signing. But the window's still open, of course. Um, Just on uh, on Dan Juma, I've got my Twitter here. So first of all, um, just to credit the the meatloaf tweet, I was Tweet Good Mac, (laughs) good Twitter name, by the way, Tweet Good Mac uh, on Twitter. And um, just to back up some of the stats here, so his his non-penalty expected goals last season were the 99th percentile compared to forwards. Mm. Shots, total shots, 98th percentile. Non-penalty expected goals and expected assists combined in the 96th percentile dribbles completed 89th touches in the attacking penalty box 98th percentile so very exciting numbers so i mean yeah it's, it's not always that straightforward roberto soldado was the third highest scorer in spain behind messi and ronaldo when he came to spurs and we all know how that finished so let's <laughs> let's wait and see and he's not having it must be said he's not having a great season this year that he was he definitely peaked last season a bit like son but former temporary class is permanent he's still a young player and it, it's an interesting one so so let's see so let's see. let's see, and let's see about what happens with the other potential incoming. I think, yeah. I think of, 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 we're, there's no white smoke from Mr. Romano. Yet, no, there's no. Here we go. Uh, we're we're at the point now Talks where even Mr. as we Mr. speak, Pe- Pedro Porro. Pedro Porro. Yeah, who, I haven't heard of him yet. No one's mentioned. <laughs> no, him no, in there the hasn't window. been a tweet about him every five minutes with exactly the same headline about Spurs in talks with Pedro Porro getting closer. Uh, it's one of the most. I, I tweeted yesterday. It's probably the most drawn out, tedious transfer sagas since the day of Leandro Damiao coming to Spurs but the difference is it looks like he actually is going to be coming to us unless Everton make a last minute swoop to steal him back and get one back at us but he is somebody we've been apparently chasing for a long time he's very much a right wing back as opposed to Emerson Royale who is a right full back played against Spurs in Champions League of course but he is an extremely attacking right wing back he's he's basically he's he's heavy on the wing he's a wing back with extra wing basically um mm. taking it back to fb ref he's right up in the high 90s 95 to 99th percentile for everything attacking you could want out of a fullback you know compared to other fullbacks he gets more shots on goal more goals more assists more shot creating actions this is all per 90 as well so just consistently um on paper and again, to, to shout out Elio, football's not playing on paper, but in theory, he should be the perfect Conte wingback. He's like a Hakimi type, that sort of player. Just flies forward, very quick, very aggressive. You could say the same about Joe Spence, to be fair. But for some reason, uh, Conte wasn't sold on him. We can understand that he probably is quite sold on Pedro Porro, given that we have now finally met his release clause, which is 45 million euros, I believe. And there's been a lot of criticism over that, the haggling over that price, because basically what it looks like has happened to most fans is the beginning of the window, they said, 
he costs 45 million euros. That's what the price is. And we've been trying to negotiate and haggle and barter for the last month only to say, all right, fine, we'll pay you 45 million euros. Uh, the difference is apparently it's been done in installments, which obviously changes things in an accounting sense. I don't know if Paratici's well, been involved. I don't so. know if Paratici's been cooking the books, uh, but it does mean for purposes of FFP and the transfer budget and cash flow and like everything like that, that we have a little bit more money to spend on, on other positions and nearly everybody seems to be in agreement that we do need to make more signings with a few days left in the window. A few tentative rumours about a few centre-back names rolling around, nothing concrete. Really hard to know if any of it is based on any actual fact or if it's just journalists putting two and two together. But Conte's old defensive partners at Inter are both coming to the end of their contracts. De Vrij and Skriniar, no spring chickens, but obviously Conte likes to bring in the experienced players. A lot of people saying we should be in for one of those or both of those. Never that simple, but who knows? We're linked to um, Piero Hincapi as well, uh, playing in the Bundesliga as a left-sided centre-back, Ecuadorian. And then there's talk about a couple of others like Evan and Dicker as well. Um, So there are rumours that we're going to sign another defender. And if there's one thing we've seen from the last few weeks other than that we could use a new goalkeeper is that we could use a new centre-back because that seems to be Mm. other than the right wing-back spot which has been addressed the biggest problem I don't know what we like as football fans one comes through the door one about to come through the door and we're talking about what's next never enough it's never enough never enough well the problem is you lose one game and then suddenly all your players are rubbish and they all need to go and none of them are fit to lace the boots of the three that actually perform and they're all championship level and we need to kick them out immediately and replace Indeed. the whole team i can understand why harry used to used to leave it till deadline day to do all his business <laughs> yeah. nobody could whinge about him saying what's next it's like i can't sign anyone else it's, it's past 11 it's almost quite sad isn't it that we seem to be forever past the days of just a shock deadline day surprise fun signing because people know about it in advance you know like there's always talks there's always in the nose there's leaks there's things coming out you know the days of spurs on the deadline day signing rafael van der Vaart out of absolutely nowhere that was massive and it's not happened mm. since. So <laughs> it's quite sad that you don't see that anymore. It is, I guess. It is. When, when's our next when's our next podcast? Um, are we, are we going to have another one before the end of the uh, uh, transfer window? Or we might have we, Elio back. We do it when the transfer sh- slams shut. Man City game's not until the 5th of February. So, yeah, you know um, what? We might do. It'll be after the FA Cup. We might do. Man and City hopefully game. by the time we've had the FA Cup, we will have seen one or two or you know depending on how many transfers we make we'll see a couple of the new faces make an appearance and see what yeah. they're made of if they're registered in time and all of that and fit so uh that could be quite interesting it probably depends on how how you do against preston as well exactly yeah exactly so i think we'll, we'll have to do a, a more in-depth look into some of these signings and how they could fit in because uh, i'd love to hear what elio has to say about all of them i'm sure he elio, elio will by now have watched hours of danjuma footage he'll, he'll have probably found a, an actual full 90 minute game to watch how he plays. He's, he genuinely has done this when we've signed new players before. It's a new level of dedication. He's almost Bielsa-esque in his enthusiasm. Well, if you forgive me, no bad thing. <laughs> if you'll forgive me for comparing and Everton, Elio and Everton to your hero. are in for a treat. They actually hire him as they would be if they hired Elio. <laughs> um, who also would be more of a manager than Frank Lampard? You'd rather have Elio um, than Frank Lampard managing Leeds, wouldn't you? I'd rather have a shoelace than Frank Lampard. <laughs> Poor Lampard. He's he's your Sean Longstaff, isn't he? No, Sean Longstaff appears to be a normal man who actually had to earn his mediocrity. I feel like we've we've done an Almiron, a Jack Grealish on Almiron to Longstaff by ridiculing him and making him the epitome of rubbish footballer, and suddenly we've kickstarted his career. Sean Sean Longstaff would only be like Frank Lampard if his surname was How. (laughs) Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. Or Bruce. Mm. But anyway, I jest. Exactly. I jest. Good on you, Sean. You're doing a great job. Don't listen to what Elliot says. I know you're a keen listener. <laughs> right. Is there anything more for us to talk Any about? Any orders of business? Um, well, on the assumption that we're going to leave the Harry Kane love-in to next week when Elio's back. Cause I feel like he, we should He really wouldn't like it if I took, if I took that yeah. one off him, you know? It'd be like if we got to the Champions League final and then he was injured and I took the winning penalty, you know? He wouldn't like it at all. <laughs> um, so we can, we can wait on that. I think the only other things to mention are obviously just to remind everyone about our Twitter, which I'm going to see if you remember all the details, Dave. Putting you on the spot here. Some real hosting, well, 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 hosting well, 101 here. Tell everyone to follow well, our Twitter. I've, I, I believe I believe everybody already does because we've got so many followers. But we can um, get some more. Uh, if you don't, um, please be sure to follow us on Twitter. My handle <laughs> is at Fantasy Dave. Uh, Dag's handle is at Plus Dave Dags. Very good. And um, for the podcast, it's at Plus Dave Podcast. Elio has one, but it's far too complicated <laughs> for me to remember, and he's not here, so he doesn't count. Uh, we also have. Um, our blog, which currently stands at a mighty one, um, uh, <laughs> one, which is a one very article, good article that's already obsolete. One, one article, the totality is of already, our written work seems dated yeah. about the Kane versus Haaland debate, which Dags does a really great job of, and that can be found at plusdave.wordpress.com. Correct, Dags, keep me honest. Correct, yeah. Uh, I think we're on other social channels, but I couldn't possibly tell you yeah. what they are. We will look to be back as soon as Tottenham's. Progress into the fifth round of the FA Cup is confirmed, and hopefully they'll have had a draw, so we'll also know who Spurs are playing and who Leeds are playing. It may be each other, and that would be wonderful, wouldn't it? Because we can hope. I don't know about you, but I can't wait until the 28th of May for us to play again because it's so much fun. And it'll be another Elio versus Dave as well. Absolutely, an, an FA Cup based Elio versus Dave. <laughs> FA Cup based Elio versus Dave. Assuming, of course, that Elio hasn't quit slash gone on to bigger podcasts to win trophies. Yeah, that's true. I mean, to be, maybe maybe they don't want him back. Maybe the listeners prefer it this way. Maybe we should put out a poll following the right, upload of this episode. To say, I think we I think do we take Elio back? I think, I think we've got an A, so I think <laughs> I think we uh, I think we should probably just ditch him. Fun fact, actually, mm. I'll leave you on a really fun fact, which is very Leeds based, but it's also very Spurs based. Mm-hmm. Um, the last player, other than Willie Nonto and Patrick Bamford, who did it last Wednesday, to score two goals for Leeds in one game in the FA Cup. Any ideas? Uh, we'll be here all day if you need me guessing, Dave. Just put me out of my misery. It was Jermaine Beckford oh, wow. yeah. at White Hart Lane <laughs> oh. in 2010. Very good. And I urge you all to watch that because it was definitely a penalty. <laughs> Who needs Challenge Elio when you've got some trivia like that? Absolutely. Right. Okay. We've talked for enough. Uh, so, Dags, thank you for your company. I appreciate it. I hope I didn't balls this up too you much. You didn't at all, uh, Dave. You've been excellent. It, pass it back to you next time because, quite frankly... I've been shitting myself for the past one hour and ten minutes. <laughs> you mean you didn't enjoy your birthday present? This was all for you. This was your special treat, Dave. <laughs> Just a cake would have been fine. <laughs> all right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Kate Gates. Good stuff. On that bombshell, you stay classy, Spurs fans, and we'll speak to you soon. Here's Lucas Moura. Oh, they've done it!